The Plumley Pod, episode 67. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to the Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley. And today we're going to be talking about and analyzing the war for your mind. Before I get stuck straight into that, here's what's coming up in this episode. Prominent truther quoting tyrannical slogans without a hint of irony. Imagine. Imagine. Counterintelligence in the alternative media? Question mark. Agents versus assets. What's the difference? Hopefully, I'll be able to provide you also with a toolkit for analysing research that is helpful and distinguishing that from research that isn't helpful. And by research, that could be your consummation of alternative media, for example, but not just the alt media. There are other things that are calling themselves alternative, which aren't really that alternative, are they? So we'll come to that shortly. Anyway, uh, last few bits that we'll be looking at calling Normie's names. One of my favourites is Sheepletards, and we'll be digging into that. And lastly, of course, where the real war is at. And um, I'm not talking about Ukraine, and I won't be talking about Gaza, because that isn't where the real war is, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to this podcast, by now I know pretty much that you know that. And I want to say before I kick off properly, a great big thank you because I really actually enjoy talking to you. It's kind of weird. I'm sort of talking to myself. But when I do this, I do imagine your faces. I know some of you very well. Some of you I don't know at all. But it's lovely to be able to talk to real people, real men, real women who are doing their homework and doing their best and will be coming to homework shortly. Before I launch into it, that's my third attempt. Did you see me? It's like, like one of those naughty horses at the Olympics that decides to refuse to jump, isn't it? Yes, I'm I'm not unlike one of those horses myself. Don't miss next week's episode. Do not miss episode 68. I interviewed Bob Moran again. He was absolutely extraordinary. What a fabulous orator. So whatever you do, do not miss next week's podcast. That's episode 68 with Bob Moran of Bob's Cartoons. All righty. Time to get stuck into it. Time to get stuck into it. Now, I never know, and it is hard to tell, whether people are naive or they are deliberately obfuscating the truth. With some people, it's easy to tell, and with others, it's quite difficult. Sometimes we're just naive. We might be completely awake to the fact that Big Pharma, Harmer, is killing us or trying to kill us for profit, killing us slowly with their drugs. But on the other hand, the same person is dropping their child off at the government indoctrination centres every morning, the place they call school. On the other hand, somebody might be awake to false flag terrorism. They might realise that the state stages events on home soil. Fancy that, home soil to terrify its own citizens in order to increase intelligence budgets and legislation, more surveillance, agenda, agenda, agenda. But on the other hand, they haven't realised that those cheeseburgers they're eating from McDonald's is also a different part of the agenda, big food, which is also trying to make you as sick as possible for their farmer friends or for profit. And if you look at who owns these major corporations when it comes down to it, these huge, huge companies like BlackRock, Vanguard, yep, just like George Carlin told us, it's one big club and you ain't in it. Yep. We ain't in it. You got it. You got it in one. So where to go first? I've got so much again this week to get through. I'm going to do this. I will get it done within the hour. I've promised everybody this will not take longer. Hopefully it'll be shorter than that. But I've just got, I really, really need to get this off my chest. It's been bugging me for quite some time. So there's not a lot of talk in alternative circles, truther circles. The truther industrial complex is probably a better term because I don't actually believe there is a truth movement. That's not to say that there aren't genuine people on a quest for the truth, because there are. I'm one of them. I don't care what the truth is. I'm not invested in any particular version of it. I just want to know what it is. I just hate lies, and I hate injustice. 
These are two things that I've have been enormous themes in my life. I get very, very angry about injustice and very, very concerned when I'm being lied to. And actually, concerned is too mild a word. I get downright rageful when I find out that I'm being lied to. I don't like lies. I don't deal in lies. And if everybody didn't lie, if everybody didn't tell lies, we wouldn't be in this mess. We wouldn't be in the mess that we're in. So I have a big issue, a lifelong issue with lies and deception. And I notice that an awful lot of people who claim to also be in pursuit of the truth, there's a lot of things that they won't talk about. We could list a few of the simple ones like false flag terrorism on home soil. So you might have seen me taking a pop at Mike Robinson of the UK column because he wants to insinuate that false flags, things that are staged by our government, fake events, events staged or fabricated by the UK government and its uh, assets and organs and wings and whatever, has happened on foreign soil, but we don't seem to have made the leap to start talking about it on home soil. And you see, charity begins at home, doesn't it? If you can't fix stuff within your own house, how can you possibly fix stuff out there in the big bad world? It's Judas Peter Stein's make your bed, isn't it? You know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Obviously, I'm very disappointed with Judas, but he still makes some very, very good points. And I do like how he helps young men sort their lives out, in particular young men, but also why not young women? You know, make your bed, tidy your room, go and fix the things that are wrong in your own life before you start interfering in the lives of others. I, you know, I, I think that's good advice. I like that advice. I try to live by that advice, although I am looking at one hell of a mess in my office right now. There is a huge pile of papers in here. No wonder the uh, awesome podcast producers told me my sound was better last week. It's because of the enormous amount of paperwork in this room. It's now less echoey because there is so much paper. Yeah, well, I better get on and tidy that up after this. But anyway, and perhaps I'll just rearrange it so that it's still the same amount of paper in this room, but at least it will be in, in a, a more orderly, organized fashion. So I, I like that. It's good advice. But it's the things that aren't talked about, isn't it? It's the things that are not said that are problematic. We can't pretend that the establishment, the state, the statists don't pull off fake stuff on home soil. They do. And if we can't talk about that, if we're not going to be grown-ups and analyze what's going on here and expose it and expose our audiences to it, then we're not helping. We're actually helping to hide the problem in pretending that these things don't exist. In pretending, for example, that the Manchester bang was anything other than a bang, we're helping the state maintain the lie. And this comes back to that Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote, which I'm going to butcher totally. Alexander's The Gulag Archipelago is a fantastic book, very, very long, very, very dense, but contains many, many gems, real hard-won advice for the likes of us. And it's talking about, you know, we know they're lying, they know they're lying, they know we know they're lying, and still they lie anyway. Some variant of that, I'm sure somebody will correct me. The, the basic point is the same thing. It's all lies. And if we're not outright exposing the lies with a, a loudspeaker like the brave Richard D. Hall has done, then we're really not doing anything at all. We're not doing our jobs. I don't consider myself as a member of the alternative media. I don't have time. I'm a head teacher. I work for guerrilla education. Guerrilla education is guerrilla warfare. Education is the new battlefield, massively. This is a war for your mind. I know Alex Jones is an enormous shill, and I know lots of you say much worse things about him than that. He's an excellent entertainer, but I happen to agree with you. I don't think he's uh, working just for himself and people in search of the truth, because there's loads of things he won't talk about either, especially now. However, he was right about one thing, Infowars. He rebranded Prison Planet, which was a good one, to Infowars, Information Wars. We are engaged in information warfare every minute of every day. And if you manage to turn off the information and actually go and do some mathematics with your children, you are winning. You are winning at life. If you manage to turn off all of the social media, the tell a lie vision and all the distractions and just get on and do some studying, real studying now of academic subjects with your children, wonderful. What You are winning. 
And I extend that to the less academic subjects as well, stuff that we tend to enjoy more. If you're really able to genuinely engage in that stuff without it being poisoned and infected by notifications, by the the news programming, even by the alternative, it's not really that alternative, is it? The alternative news programming, then you are winning at life. Little tiny, tiny ways. But they could add up to a really, really big win, couldn't they? If you think, when you think about it. But of course, it's not just false flag terrorism that many, many sections of the alternative media want to avoid. They're quite happy to say, oh, 9-11 over there, right the way over there in America. But they're not really talking about the stuff on home soil, Lee Rigby, Westminster Bridge, Manchester Arena, etc., etc., etc. That's not the only thing that I've noticed. I've noticed that there isn't a lot of talk about Antarctica. Now, you might say, well, that's just an esoteric interest of yours, Mrs. Plumley. Yeah, you could say that. But is it? Because isn't it curious that nobody argues over Antarctica? There isn't a square inch of land on this planet that somebody isn't fighting over or arguing about or disputing to this day. But when it comes to Antarctica, they all hold hands together, all standing in a line singing the same song from the same hymn sheet. Now, isn't that funny? And why can't randomers like me just go there? Why do I have to get permission? And what happened with Admiral Byrd? But we were kind of going off on a tangent if we go there, so I'd better not go further. But it's all very odd, isn't it? How there's a, oh, we all agree about that. We can't agree about very much else. But when it comes to Antarctica, we all agree. And another area that is curious is space. Why hasn't Putin called out the fake moon landing from the 1960s? that is so obviously fake at this point, it's parody, it's comedy. I openly mock people who still think that Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Come on, come on. Children can see that that's fake. I think that's quite a good in for children as a a by-the-by, the the fake moon landings. That's a really nice way of showing uh, government fakery, NASA fakery. NASA, never a straight answer. Or my favourite, NASA. Just fake it. But why aren't we talking about those kinds of things? Because space is another one where everybody seems to agree. We've got Chinese and Russian astronauts mixing with British and American astronauts on the International Fake Station. Oops, oops, sorry, sorry. The International Fake Space Station. The International Space Station. I got it out in the end. It's fake. It's fake. It's laughably fake. Just go and look at the footage. Just go to BitChute and type in International Fake Station and you'll see it. You'll see it there. I love it because I spent a lot of time in the theatre, both amateur and professional theatre. I know lots of the tricks and the magic that we can make in theatre. It's not real magic. Of course it's not. It's just, uh, you know, a bit of a curtain there and a blackout there and a flashbang there. It's a, you know, a wonderful thing, but I see a lot of the same stuff on the International Fake Station. They're wearing the same harnesses that we use to fly Peter Pan. Yeah, sorry, you know that pantomime where Peter Pan flew? Yeah, news for you, he didn't fly. Well, nor are those astronauts in space, all right? You can see they're wearing the harnesses with white, complete with wires. And isn't it interesting that we have all of these self-professed alternative media personalities and organizations, and they're not pointing out damn obvious things. I think there's quite a few people who listen to this who are not unlike me in that they think they're stupid. I think I'm stupid. I'm like, is it just me? Or isn't it blatantly obvious that everyone agrees on Antarctica, no one fights over it. Everyone agrees on space, they're not fighting over it. Doesn't that mean that these are the first places we need to look? Because why are they all friends when it comes to, you know, you've got Putin and Biden. Oops, Putin and Biden are effectively friends when it comes to Antarctica and space. But when it comes to the Ukraine or pretty much anything else, they're enemies. That doesn't make any sense. It's not consistent. There's a break in the logic tree there, isn't there? I'm not saying that, you know, alt media must talk about this or must. I don't really care because I've basically broadly switched it off because I realized it was wasting my time. And it's wasting yours too. The only thing we really have is time. It's the only thing that's equal about any of us. And even that is ironically unequal because none of us know how much time or how little time we have at any one point in our lifespan. So we have 
a finite amount of it, I think is what I'm trying to say. And we have to use it to the best of our abilities. And I think consuming information from people who are not even asking the basic questions like, hey, how come we all agree on Antarctica? How come we all agree on space? What is going on here? What is going on? I think that's off. And especially things like false flag terror on home soil. That's something we could potentially do something about. If more and more people were aware that the government stage events at home, then think of all the extra people that would be vigilant to that. Think of all the people that would be able to secretly record things and leak them into the public domain. We just need more people to be aware of it. And if you're professing to be the alternative media and you're not prepared to talk about false flags on home soil, staged events, fake terrorism at home, you ain't doing your job properly and you're putting lives at risk. And that makes me question who you are and who you're actually working for because you're not working for the people. You're not working for the people of our countries. You're working for someone or something else. And that's not okay. Yeah, if you're working for the, the fuckerman, then you should say so. You know, sponsored by the fuckerman, sponsored by the BBC, the BBC light. Now, BBC lies 24 and then some of the alt media are just basically BBC light, aren't they? They're still banging on about the Ukraine war or what's happening in Gaza. Are they even talking about that yet? The UK column have got a bit of a problem there, haven't they? Have you noticed? <laughs> I don't even need to dig into that. It's so bloody obvious. Anyway, let's not talk about the obvious. Let's go a little bit more esoteric. I want to talk about counterintelligence. And I'm no expert on this, but I don't need to be to just to explain my logic and, and the way I think about things. And I think this will resonate, hopefully, with, with quite a lot of the listeners to this podcast. Given that the telelie vision has basically been dying since the proliferation of channels, the state, the evil ones that control us, will have known that this is going to cause leakage. It's easy to control a narrative when there's only the BBC. It's slightly more challenging when there's BBC and ITV, i.e. from one channel to control to two different channels to control. That's right, boys and girls, I'm old enough to remember when there was only two or three channels. Mm. <laughs> yes, that happened. I know there's hundreds and thousands now, but back in the day, there was only a handful of channels. Then you get ITV, you get Channel 4, then Channel 5. I remember when Channel 5 was born and all of the excitement around that. And then, boom, a huge proliferation of channels with Sky Television, Sky Television, Sly News, all of the rest of it. And of course, in America, infinite numbers of, of channels. Well, it's quite difficult. You can control a lot of channels as long as they're the news. It's called the news, but it's actually news programming. They're selecting what to show you. And very often, they're staging things to show to you these days as well. And that, that has become self-evident. You should remember those uh, non-violent riots for Black Lives Matter. <laughs> There's literally a place on fire in huge balls of flames behind the reporter saying mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, that sort of thing. Hilarious. Ridiculous. Well, as long as all the different channels are still using the same news programming and the same script, that's okay. The problem actually arose with the internet. I think it was long foreseen by the bad guys that news programming alternative ideas would gravitate towards the cheap and easy version of broadcasting, that is, streaming on the internet, live streaming, podcasting, producing videos and putting them out on platforms, things like social media and other places such as Substack, Odyssey, BitChute, etc. So are we really pretending to ourselves and each other that the intelligence agencies hadn't thought about that? <laughs> intelligence controls the news. It has to. Think about it. I mean, that, that program spooks. Do you remember BBC? There was that program spooks. It even showed you that. So, you know, some spooks would blow up a building because they had really good important reasons, reasons of national security. They were always the heroes, right? They were doing the right thing. And then later, you would watch a clip of BBC News, BBC Lies 24, within the program Spooks, the Spooks would be watching the news and it would say there was a fatal gas explosion at such and such a place earlier today when the audience and the Spooks know full well it was the Spooks that blew it up. They're showing you how much intelligence controls the news, BBC, etc., etc. People have been asking serious questions of Mariana Spring. I mean, that's a little bit easy, isn't it? But good, 
we should be having those conversations. You know, who does she really work for? She can speak Russian. Some of her CV is, has been faked. The CV that she put out, a lot of it's fake. Well, people who fake things on their CV, it's usually because they're trying to hide something or hide where they were or where they learned something, whatever. I'm not saying she's even smart enough, but hey-ho, who knows, standards may have fallen through the floor along with everything else. But in any case, I think it's well documented that intelligence agents or operatives and certainly assets, we'll come to the difference between those things in a moment, or certainly how I differentiate between them anyway. I think it's well known that these people work in media. We know that they used to work in newspapers, perhaps some still do. What's that creepy bloke? Is it Anderson Cooper? Going to get his name wrong now. That creepy guy with the white hair in America. He was an intern at the CIA. (laughs) Really? Yeah, that's what he did before joining a major news network. Interesting, no? And there are other examples that are going to escape me in this moment, but you can find mainstream examples of members of the intelligence community. That makes it sound nice, doesn't it? Spies, let's call them what they are, spies working in the media. Well, if spies are working in the media, spies must also be working in the alternative media, especially in the era of the internet. Well, we think intelligence didn't figure it out before we did. Like, I know some of us are working very hard to be as intelligent and articulate as we can be and as learned as possible. But what, we really think we're the smartest of them all? No, I don't think so. I think the intelligence agencies knew very well what would happen with the democratization, if you want to call it that, of the internet. And I think there are two things here. There will be genuine alternative media, and it's not just the alternative media. I'm talking about alternative healthcare, alternative law, so common law, if you like, alternative media, alternative education, anything that alternative or truthful or real has been put on the front of. We have to look with the same critical mind that we looked at BBC and realized it was BBC Lies 24, the way we looked at Sly News, the way we looked at CNN, the cartoon news network (laughs) over in the States. We have to apply that, especially to anything that says it's alternative. Because we talked last week with Simon Day, the co-author of The TV Delusion, about grassy knolling. And he, he asked you to imagine a piece of paper and imagine the truth in a box. So the truth is in a box on that piece of paper. Then you will have the narrative. And that narrative is built around the truth. That's the official narrative that will be coming out of all of the major news networks and their subsidiaries. There are basically only six news networks in the world, aren't there, in the English-speaking world? Because when it comes down to it, everything is effectively owned by those top six. So they will control the narrative that is around the truth, because the truth must remain hidden. Then draw another box, and this is the alternative narrative. Do you really think it's credible that the powers that ought not be, the control freaks, the people who wouldn't even bet on a football match unless they'd bought off both teams and the referee? and the assistant referees, and the fourth official, and the fifth official, and the people operating the uh, video review thing. Yeah? These people are absolute control freaks. So are we really suggesting that they wouldn't control the alternative narrative? Come on, come on, we're better than that, aren't we? So I know many of you are like, yeah, 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 get to it, get to it, Sarah, get on with it, because I know this. But what's interesting is the vast majority of people who say they're searching for the truth or would give themselves a label of truther, they're looking for the truth. They don't openly talk about intelligence and counterintelligence. So there are two things here with this alternative narrative that the powers that shouldn't be would have to put out. They know that not everybody is going to swallow the narrative that's been built around the truth, the narrative that the BBC is going to pump out, the official narrative. They've studied psychology, they've studied humans for long enough to know that there'll be, they'll even know what percentage it is, and we don't really know that, do we? but they'll even know which percentage are going to question more. So naturally, they will have provided the alternative narrative. Now, there's a few different ways of doing this. Number one is just to set up alternative media outlets as a counterintelligence operation. So you have intelligence, they're delivering the narrative, they're making sure it's going out through the what we would call the fake news media, the mainstream media, the mockingbird, MSM. And they would also put out the official alternative narrative called the alternative narrative, but it's the official one. It's like the grassy knolling back in the JFK, the grassy knoll, hence Simon Day calls it grassy knolling. I like that one. I'm keeping it. Thanks, Simon. Well, of course they would do that. Of course they would have some operations, counterintelligence, 
outfits that are posing as the alternative media. Naturally, it's a natural way to make sure you can keep control of the vast majority of people that are looking for an alternative narrative, that are searching for the truth, that don't believe what they're fed by the BBC and Sly News, CNN, MSNBC, and all of the rest of them. There's not only that way of doing it either. That's one option, and I I would strongly suggest that that is the case. There will be many people who are paid assets or agents. The agents will be running counterintelligence operations. They'll be the more convincing, more credible outfits. The more credible you are, unfortunately for me, the more likely you are to be counterintelligence because you're smart enough to do it or working in intelligence. However, there are other ways of doing it. So there are things called assets. They're people that can be bought. Assets are people that can be bought by the state. So, and I'm not saying this guy is, I don't know him, but just as an example, Hugo Talks. I think it's fair to say Hugo Talks is probably not an intelligence operative. He probably doesn't work for MI5, Mossad, or whatever. However, it's possible that he is paid for. He is an asset. They give him money to promulgate the official alternative narrative. And I'm not, please don't, that was just an example. I just plucked it out of thin air. Uh, I don't know enough about Hugo Talks, and I'm not for a moment suggesting he's anything other than genuine. See, this is the problem. It's not easy to figure out who works for the state willingly and knowingly, and who does it accidentally. I've talked in the past about Pied Pipers. Knowing Pied Pipers, they're the ones who are paid. They know what they're doing, or they're being handled in, or, or blackmailed in some way. They're being handled. They're an asset. So sometimes an asset is somebody who hates the government, but the problem is they're compromised. And if they don't do what the government, the intelligence services say they have to do, then these compromising materials will be released and it will effectively cause them perhaps to be bankrupt, cause them to be exiled or cancelled in a way, whatever, whatever. So it is possible that people who are not so bright, not so credible, let's say, uh, not so well-read might be a nicer way of putting it. It's possible that some of these people are paid for by the state or blackmailed by the state, et cetera, et cetera. So there there are many, many ways of, of running this. However, I think it's naive of us to just go around labeling everybody controlled opposition. Because controlled opposition is a little bit lazy because there are different levels of controlled opposition. If you're being blackmailed that, you know, MI5 are going to come and kill your family if you don't spout the official alternative narrative, then, you know, I can empathize a little bit with that. I can see why that would make a man nervous and why a man would do something wrong in order to save his family. Why he's being blackmailed in the first place, well, goes outside the remit of what I want to talk about this morning. But hey-ho, you know, I can understand that. That's not the same as actually being an intelligence operative on a salary, is it? Or on a retainer. You know, these ex-spies, these people who used to work, there's no such thing as an ex-spy. Go and watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, any of the literature, uh, the book, the novels, the movies. There's no such thing as ex-intelligence. I mean, that's a joke. You've, we've seen that on, on the recent James Bond movies with Daniel Craig. That's a punchline, isn't it? Oh, I'm an ex-spy. Yeah, right. They tell you, don't they, in literature and movies, they tell you in the official world of fakery what's actually happening in the real world. And then everyone says, oh, that's silly. That's just James Bond. It's fake. Yeah, right. So we're back to the narrative where the evil ones just allow alternative people to say whatever they want. I mean, look at how suppressed my numbers are. My Twitter started doing well. And the the minute I got close to 10,000 followers, and I'd, I'd built this up in a very short space of time, perhaps only 12 to 18 months to get to 8,000. Boom, it stopped working. I'm not officially shadow banned. I've never been asked to take a tweet down. Twitter have never had any contact with me whatsoever because I've never broken their stupid rules. But they managed to stop my tweets being seen. And this was ages ago. This was years ago now. This was during the scandemic. My Twitter account is still there, but I, you know, I can't get anything to get more than two or three likes compared with two, three, four thousand likes back when it was still working normally. So to suggest the very notion that alternative media isn't infested by people who have infiltrated it, deliberately infiltrated it in order to subvert it or to tarnish it in some way, and that the alternative media doesn't have counterintelligence operations and operatives, that means agents working within it, is completely crazy. And yet, Look at some of the lunatics. Probably, ironically, these people are members of the 77th. 
arguing online. I never got trolled on my Odyssey account until I pointed the finger at the UK column. Until I dared to mention the fact that they haven't covered the Richard D. Hall case properly. Not at all, they haven't. And worse than that, they haven't covered Richard D. Hall's material. It's not just a court case I was complaining about. They haven't covered his material. Why haven't they shown Nick Bickerstaff? Why haven't they shown Ruth Morell? That stuff proves that the UK government's stage events or their agency's stage events on home soil. They won't even show it. They still haven't bloody shown it. We've been moaning at them for about three or four weeks now. Yeah, they won't do it. Interesting, no? Anyway, my language has been a little bit lazy around agents and assets. The word agent, people know that like secret agent, you know, the FBI agents, that sort of language. Agents, another word for agent would perhaps be operative, an intelligence operative. That's someone who operates within the intelligence community. They work for MI5, MI6. MI, by the way, is military intelligence. MI5, MI6, military intelligence 5, military intelligence 6. Pretty much all intelligence ultimately ends up at the military because if it's of a serious enough nature, they need to know about it first, right? That's just logic. So I'm not interested in anybody who's trying to split hairs between and I was a civilian intelligence agent or whatever, civilian intelligence operative rather than a, a military one. I don't care whether you wore a uniform or didn't, not interested in that, doesn't matter. All the important stuff ends up at the same place. So I'm using agent and operative interchangeably, but an asset, that could be somebody who's really smart and really rich and they've been compromised in some way. You know, like the Epstein stuff. Why is no one talking about where are the tapes? We're too busy talking about the Ukraine war, Gaza being bombed, and all stuff we can't... What about these tapes? Let's get these tapes released. All of these compromising tapes, right? They're never going to be released, are they? Let's face it. And that's because that's what they do. You know, Epstein was collating loads of tapes of a compromising nature in order to blackmail people in high places. So that's when you have an asset, somebody who you can blackmail or somebody who you can buy drugs for. So these assets come from all walks of life. They can be low down on the social economic food chain, they could be really high up. So an asset's really, really flexible. You know, a bit like Salman Abedi, the alleged Manchester bomber. Uh, his father was an MI6 asset. That's in the mainstream media. You can find that in the fake news media. And they have the cheek to tell us that, oh, no, no, Richard D. Hall is a conspiracy theorist, the sickest troll in Britain or whatever. What a joke. These people aren't real. These people are not real. Anyway, I don't want to kind of make you think, oh my goodness, we can't trust anybody. Agents are everywhere. Well, they kind of are, but they always were. So this, this isn't a new thing. It's just perhaps we're a little bit closer to them now. They can't hide in their television studios very much anymore because of the internet. Uh, things have become a little bit more easily accessible. So it's less easy for them to hide. And that's why they get twitchy bottoms, squeaky bum time, as Alex Ferguson used to call it. Squeaky bum time. That's why they get all a bit nervous, really, about these things when ordinary people like me... I mean, I don't even have a dog in this fight. I don't have a horse at this race. I don't care. I just want the truth. I'm a head teacher. I have my own organization. I'm fighting my fight 80-odd hours a week in the trenches with the real people, the real men, the real women, and the real children doing the real work. Army of one every single day, all of us. Resisting, refusing to comply. Refusing to comply is better than resisting, much less hassle easier to do. It's not illegal. I'm talking about educating your own children, removing them from the state. Because these intelligence agencies, they're all working for the same people, the people who own the state. Well, guess what? All of the schools are owned by that too. Yes, even the private ones. You have to have permission from the Department for Education, that's a politician, puppetician, in the UK government, to have a school. You're not even allowed to have anything that could be described by somebody else as an educational establishment, i.e. a school, without written permission from the Department for Education. Do you reckon the DOE would give me permission to open my own school or my series of schools? <laughs> you can bet your ass it wouldn't. That free school stuff, that was all a cover-up. It was all a fake beacon of hope. I don't, you might not remember this. It was quite a long time ago now. I was still teaching in classrooms back then. So it's, I would say prior to 2010, there was a big thing that, oh, we're going to have free schools where anybody can set up a school. <laughs> yeah, right. Do some research into that. That uh, died a death. That didn't work. All that happened there was you got the academies out of it so businesses could effectively own schools. What could possibly go wrong with businesses owning schools? Can you imagine a 
a factory where they need packers. Mm, yes, I wonder what the academic standards in those schools are like through the floor, I shouldn't wonder. Anyway, I don't want you to think that this is all dark and it's all scary because it's not. There's some really simple things that you can do to help you decide whether to consume this information or that information or none of it. So I start with three really simple questions. Whenever I'm looking for something to watch or something to read to help inform me about what really might be going on in this uh, crazy, crazy world around us, and I'm talking about in the real one as opposed to in the fictitious one, which social media and the telelive vision and increasingly the fake alternative media are trying to spin us and trying to sell us. I ask these three questions. Number one, does this information make me fearful? Does it regularly scare the bejesus out of me? If it regularly frightens me, then I have to put a question mark next to that person or that organization. Now that's problematic because a lot of this information is scary because the dark ones at this moment in time are certainly in the ascendancy. I would say the dark ones, they had the upper hand during COVID, seriously, didn't they? And for me, they still do. That stuff hasn't gone away. All of that evil and that darkness could be brought back overnight and the willing sheepletards would do it. They'd go along with it for sure. So that is problematic because a lot of genuine information is fearful. So just because it makes you regularly fearful, it doesn't mean that it's fake or that the person's a liar or an agent or an asset, but it, you need to question it. But question it alongside the other two questions. So number one, does the information regularly make me fearful? Number two, does this person or this organization offer genuine solutions? So solutions, important, but genuine solutions. I would suggest that somebody like James Corbett of the Corbett Report offers genuine solutions. James Evan Pallado of Media Monarchy, genuine solutions. The Irish Light, Gemma O'Doherty's paper, genuine solutions. Myself, Guerrilla Education, that is the solution, but I'll come to that another day when I get a chance to actually talk about what it is I do. Do these people offer genuine solutions? At this stage of the game, how many people hand on heart think that writing to their MP is a genuine solution? This is why Gemma Doherty and I were having a go at the UK column. They're telling you to write to the people who abused you during COVID and knew they were abusing you. Why would you write to your abuser and say, Dear Mr. Abuser, please can you abuse me a bit less harder? Come on. Really? I mean, even the UK column fans, the crazy fanatic, bow down three times a week and worship at this holding pattern outlet. Even those people, if they put their hand on their heart, must admit that writing to your MP does nothing. Absolutely nothing. So look for genuine solutions that can help you. Not some mythical thing where, oh, if we have this raffle once every four years, we might get a, a slightly less bad fuckerman. That's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. That's crazy talk. Crazy talk. Anyone who's promulgating that ought to be um, called out on it big time and certainly viewed with suspicion going forward high suspicion. Anyway, so does the information regularly make me fearful? Does the person giving the information or the people giving the information offer genuine solutions? Can these people help you out? Because if they can't help you out, switch them off. Or if they can't help good people out, switch them off. Number three, what won't these people talk about and why? Don't listen to what they are talking about so much as what they are not talking about especially in the area of alternative media, the things that are being constantly or consistently avoided. That's how you wake up to these sort of higher level counterintelligence operations, whereby you can see what's not being discussed, what's not being said, what's not being talked about. Some of those things that I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast. So those are my three things. Does the information make me fearful? Do they offer genuine solutions? What won't they talk about? They're my three things, and I, I run everything past those things. And if you pass those three tests, then I will give you some of my free time. I will pass some of the time of day with your content, with your materials, and with your information, because you are much less likely to be owned and controlled, either as an asset. Remember, you could be rich or poor, clever or dumb to be an asset. It doesn't matter. Assets can be blackmailed or they can be paid. There will be other things as well. It won't just be those two ways of dealing with people. You could also be nudged. Assets can, are people who can be easily nudged. So if somebody, for example, was whispering in my ear saying, oh, why don't you talk about the planet uh, Nirabu or whatever the hell that was called with, with Simon Day last week in episode 66. Why don't you talk about this all the time? You know, if someone was trying to manage what I say, manage my speech, heaven forbid, that's a problem. You know, somebody could be whispering in my ear trying to manage or guide me. 
don't worry, even my husband can't always uh, manage or guide me, God bless him, for trying. So you don't have to worry about me on that score. But th this is another way of controlling assets. It's called handling assets. And agents or operatives are utilized to handle assets. Anyway, so there's my toolkit. And I'm going to finish with this one, which is, uh, don't miss this, whatever you do. I've, I've saved the best till last, I think. I was talking earlier that a prominent truther had been quoting tyrannical slogans without a hint of irony. Now, I'm going to get in big trouble for saying this. I already know that. And I don't care because the truth doesn't care about trouble. The truth is the truth. And I'm really sorry to say that this pains me, actually, because my husband's a big David Icke fan. And I've been to see David Icke twice in concert, at least twice, full day affairs. I do listen to him once a week. Maybe I'm not as religious on that. My husband does, though, so I always know what's going on. I do listen to most of them with him. He's one of the exceptions that I make just because I've never seen anybody join as many dots as David Icke. And I still give him credit for that. I think he's a, an excellent dot connector. He shows you how it's all connected. It's not just this bit's corrupt and that bit's corrupt and we need to reform this. It's all of it. It's being controlled from the top down. I think he's really good at proving that. It takes him like 12 or 14 hours. You have to watch him over a whole day, but he does do it. He connects all of the dots or almost all of the dots and fair play to him for that. However, lately they've changed the format there over at Iconic. And now Jamie Ike, the younger Ike son, interviews David once a week instead of David direct addressing the camera by himself as it used to be. And that's okay. You know, things change. David has certainly put his time in, hasn't he? He's in his 70s. He's put a lot of effort in. He's produced a lot of books, written a lot of books. He's consumed a lot of information. He's read enormously, very, very broadly read. You can see that from the way he's distilled the information in his books and in his uh, all-day talks. And I, you know, I respect that. I have a, a good level of respect for that. However, I can't put it off any longer. I've just got to tell you. Towards the end of Friday the 16th of Feb, I would say, it's probably that episode on Iconic. I will try and remember to clip it out for you and do a video on it because I was really gutted, absolutely gutted. Towards the end of the show, Jamie Icke literally said, this is Jamie, not David, the, the younger son. He literally said, unity is our strength. And I went, what? I was watching this quite late at night. I was writing mathematics questions for my students whilst my husband was watching Iconic last Friday night or the Friday before, depending on when this goes out. Anyway, Friday the 16th, let's say. And I couldn't believe what I'd... I'm like, wind that back. I'm so old. I'm, I'm going back to the VHS days where you had to wind something back. Scroll that back. Scroll that back. Wind that back. What did he say? I played it again and again. And he said it more than once. He went on to say it again. Unity is our strength. So... Let me just break that down. You've got the son of the most prominent man who is anti-tyranny. David Icke is many things, but he says he is anti-tyranny. He doesn't like communists. He doesn't like fascists. He wants people to be left the hell alone. And I, amen to that. His son on his TV show is sat there spouting commie propaganda, tyrannical propaganda. In fact, did you know that that was literally a V for Vendetta slogan? If you watch the movie V for Vendetta, the slogans are strength through unity, unity through faith, strength through unity. Jamie Icke saying unity is our strength, strength through unity. That's the tyrannical government in V for Vendetta. It's literally on the slogans. It's on the posters. It is tyrannical propaganda. Unity is our strength. Now, I'm not having a go at Jamie He's obviously a very nice lad, a very nice young man. However, being very nice is not the same as being good. And I'm talking about that. I keep repeating myself on this. Being nice is not the same as being good. And you have to be good before you can be nice. All right. I'm not interested in, oh, my feelings. People will have hurt feelings. No, it's not about feelings. It's about the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. How can you sit there in front of David Icke and quote, tyrannical propaganda without a hint of irony. He wasn't doing it jokingly. He meant it. Unity is our strength. It's possible, it's just possible that he might have been aware of Gemro Doherty and I cutting into some of the alternative media regarding the Richard D. Hall case, as we did a few weeks back, and justifiably so. Judging by the number of positive emails and comments I've actually received, yeah, I would say we did a good job on that. 
calling out things that need to be called out. But can you imagine the, the situation whereby you've got the youngest son of David Icke quoting commie or tyrannical propaganda on their TV show? Now, this show isn't live. It is not live. They could have edited it. If I said something that retarded, I'd be straight onto my podcast producer saying, oh my goodness, Chris, I'm such a moron. I accidentally said this. I was under pressure. I was trying to cook the dinner. I was whatever, whatever. Please, can you delete that? It was a stupid thing to say. Or if it was too late and I didn't realize until I, it had already been published, I would issue a correction and an apology. But Iconic had chance to edit that out. They have producers now. They have editors now. They have a whole team there. I can't believe David didn't correct him. This comes back to parents not correcting their children. You must correct your children. Children do and say stupid things, even adult children, unfortunately, these days, because adults aren't really adults, are they? They're sort of kiddults these days. It's a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. And I mean no ill will towards Jamie. I think he's probably genuine. But that was a ridiculous thing to say, young man. You're quoting tyrannical propaganda in front of your father on your father's show. Your father's David Icke, for heaven's sake. You can hopefully hear it in my voice. I'm not having a go to make a big hoo-ha. I'm genuinely disappointed and distressed that such a thing could happen. And he obviously believes it. It's like, hang on a minute, Jamie. Unity. Well, what will we unify around then? What should we be unified on? Uni means one, mate. What, we should all coalesce around what? We should all agree with your dad? Well, I don't. I don't agree with everything he says. And I don't know anyone who does, except for your dad. Yeah, there's almost nobody who agrees with everything I say, and I think that's a good thing on balance, isn't it? Here at Griller Education, we don't want people to have all the same ideas and all the same beliefs and all the same thoughts and draw all of the same conclusions all of the time. That's called utopia. It's a communist lie. Utopia does not exist. That's not real. Man cannot make that. Look at all the people that you have disagreements with in daily life. Do you really think they're going to wake up and we're all going to hug each other and smoke pot at your festival in the summer and all be happy? That's nonsense. It's never going to happen. Look at the behavior of some of the dinghy divers. Yeah, you're going to invite one of those to live in your house? Rape your wife? No, I don't think so. I'm sorry. I, I've long said that this idea that we've all got to come together is the big line. It's another red flag for me. We can't even all agree on what color we should paint the park benches, for heaven's sake. We're never all going to agree on everything, and nor should we. We should be encouraging f genuine freedom of thought. Your father calls himself the renegade mind, and I'm not disputing that. I think if you're going to describe a renegade mind, probably David Icke is a very good example of a divergent mind, somebody who doesn't converge towards the norm. He diverges away from the norm. I think it's fair to say he's divergent, and bloody good for him. Thank God for that. It's great to have someone who has the courage of his convictions, to say what he has to say. Good. So how does this unity is our strength fit into that? Jamie, really? And it's not just Jamie, there's other people doing it and saying it. And it's frankly ridiculous. And this cuts to the heart of the problem, right? We are not being rigorous. We are not being rigorous. Lack of rigor in everything we do, particularly in academic subjects. It matters. If you have a half-assed attitude towards education, this is what you get. You get the son of one of the most anti-tyrannical blokes on the planet quoting tyrannical propaganda right in front of them. And he believes it. He really believes unity is our strength. This is a lack of respect for education. I'm not talking about school. School is not education. Your children can either be educated or they can be schooled. And these things are mutually exclusive. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. Schooling and education, I completely agree with David Icke they are not the same thing. David was not well-schooled. He didn't get what we would call a good education. I would replace good education with a good schooling. He was not well-schooled. He didn't go to a posh school. But he has educated himself to a good standard. He's a well-read man. He's read a lot of esoteric information. Good on him. Fair play to him. But sorry, Jamie, it's lacking, isn't it? It's obviously lacking when you're sat there quoting practically the communist manifesto and you have no awareness that that's what you're doing. You think it's a good thing. This is why we need to be better read. Now, disclaimer, I'm from a council house. I went to the local comprehensive school. I've had no kind of elite education whatsoever. The education I have is because I worked bloody hard, and I work hard to this day 
to better inform and better educate myself. I have French lessons. They're a nightmare. I'm working on my English grammar to improve that because it wasn't taught to me properly. I'm doing this whilst uh, a full-time head teacher and a part-time mathematics teacher. Actually, technically, I'm doing both jobs full-time, but that's another story, right? I bully myself because I think I don't read enough. I don't read broadly and I don't read deeply enough. And yet I'm probably one of the most well-read people I know. And I think a lot of people who've worked with me would agree that I'm pretty well-read. But that's only because we are so dumbed down. We are so dumbed down that we now have David Icke's youngest son quoting tyrannical propaganda. Unity is our strength. We've got to come together. Sorry, not good enough. We must educate ourselves. That's how we win. This is where the real war is. It's the war for your mind. It's, we're back to Infowars and Alex the Shill Jones. And in fact, it's not even your mind. You're already awake or awakening because you're listening to this kind of information. It's your children. It's the young generation. Notice how the fuckerman and social media is all targeting children. Big food targets children. Big pharma vaccinations, quote unquote, targets children. Education, it's not education, it's schooling, targets the children. They're not interested in you lot. You lot have already made your minds up pretty much. And yeah, you'll, you'll change your mind about little bits and pieces, but you're broadly, your character is formed and you've decided that the state's the bad guy. That's why you listen to me, right? Because I agree with you, you're absolutely right, and there's bloody loads of evidence for it. And yet we're still handing our children over to the state every single day, five days a week, 39 weeks or more per year. They're getting your kids for the meat and veg of the day, the best bits of the day, nine till three. The most productive bits of the day. Yeah, <laughs> the most enlightening parts of the day. They're stealing your children. In fact, they're not even stealing them. You're handing them over willingly. This is not a good thing. Out, we are always going to lose. The people who are in favor of searching for the truth, who want the whole truth and nothing but the truth, are always going to lose whilst we continue to hand our children over to the dark ones. They target the children. And we don't. We hand our children over and target other adults. Most of these alternative media places and alternative medicine and alternative everything else is targeting adults. Well, that's not to wake people up. People are already awake. The idea that David Icke wakes people up is fake. He doesn't wake people up. He helps people who are already questioning join dots. He's the dot connector. And that's perfectly fine. It's not his job to wake people up. You can't wake people up. Something bad has to happen to them from the government or from a, a large organization before they realize that the world is not the nice, sunny, happy place where we must all come together that we thought it was. Sorry for stating the obvious, but it would appear that it's not even obvious to one of the sons of David Icke. That really upset me. I thought, goodness me, the evil ones must be pissing their pants laughing watching that. One of the heirs to the Icke throne is quoting tyrannical propaganda and meaning it, really believing it. The evil ones must be wetting their pants. And this is why it is not okay to do the hippy-dippy, half-arsed home education crap. We have to do things properly. We have to be rigorous in everything we do, particularly in the academic subjects, reading, writing, arithmetic, articulation, and of course, morality. It's not moral to be saying that we all must unite. No, bugger off. I'm quite happy for all of the different children that I work with to have their own ideas, their own opinions, their own creativity, and to draw wildly different conclusions to me. Good on them, I say. There's hope yet, right? I would never try to impose my views on a whole bunch of other people or anybody else. You should see it when I try it on my husband. Lord Plumley's not having it. He's not having it. And rightly so. We are individuals with our own creativity, our own minds, our own worth, our own value. Don't unite. Don't come together. Be belligerent. Be an army of one. It's the only way you can withdraw your consent from this tyranny anyway. David Icke says it himself. Peaceful, mass, non-compliance. Well, you can't do anything about the mass bit. Forget that. There is no mass. There's you and your family. Peaceful, yes, home educating. Guerrilla education is peaceful. And it's not complying with the system. It's an absolute refusal to comply with the beast indoctrination system falsely called the education system in our countries. Take them out. Educate your own. Be guerrilla. Guerrilla education is the new guerrilla warfare. That's why the fake news media and the alternative media are so desperate to get you to focus on war, 
They've even gone as far now, the state, as to threaten conscription or drafting in the United Kingdom, right? Hasn't happened since post-World War II when we had the National Service stuff, 1950s, maybe 1960s, that stopped. This is why they're constantly going on about war, and the alt-media are doing it too. They don't give a toss about the war. People do not declare war on people. States declare war on other states, and the real war is the state against the people, usually its own freaking people. So don't be afraid to be divergent. Be creative. Have your own thoughts. Make up your own mind. Be critical thinkers. But for God's sake, unity is not our bloody strength. I don't want to say diversity is our strength because that's been hijacked as well, hasn't it, by the woke, the uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, the die religion. So it's not that either, but it's be yourself. We live in a world where we're told that we have to be nice and be kind. And I, I think Jamie might have been telling me, me and Gemma O'Doherty off sort of in a backhanded way in the 16th of February episode that he did with his father because he was saying that calling people names isn't going to make people want to join our side, is it? Calling people names isn't going to make people want to join our side, is it? What do you mean, our side, Jamie? There aren't two sides, son. See episode 65 of the Plumley Pod. There aren't even two sides in a bloody football match, you fool. There are loads, there are multiple different sides to everything. Literally everything, and so there should be. That's what it is to be human, to see things differently, to share different ideas. Being different, not being the same, not being unified, unity of thought. Unity is our strength. No, 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 no. It's not about being nice, it's not about being kind. The world was a better place when we were honest, not kind. I must be cruel to be kind. It's actually, I must be cruel only to be kind. It's often misquoted. I must be cruel to be kind because the better sense of it is that you have to be tough on people. You have to be tough on people in order to actually be kind. Saying be kind and being nice isn't being nice. The world isn't nice and it will never be. The world will never be nice and kind. There will always be murderers and rapists. How are we going to come together and hold hands with them, Jamie? What's your plan for that? You know, and it's not just Jamie. There's loads of them at it. It was just disappointing because I had high hopes for uh, the future of the Ike dynasty, but obviously I was mistaken and it's very, very disappointing. There's a huge amount of reading that's got to take place there and I don't think there's enough years for the likes of Jamie and even Gareth to do that now. I just don't see it. So my focus is the children. Focus on the young people. Let's make sure we have highly intelligent, highly articulate, rigorous young people who are insatiably curious and confident enough to express their own thoughts, their own opinions, and their values to other people. We do that by giving them a really strong, grounded, academically rigorous, let me say that again, academically rigorous education. Academic rigor is what is missing. It is what is missing from 99% of the alternative anything, in particular, the alternative media. And where you do see it, you must question it. Where does it come from? Who pays for it? What will they talk about? Let's just finish off with those three things. Those three little things, that little toolkit I talked about for how do we evaluate this information. And it might be good, depending on the maturity and the experience of your children, you might wish to share these tools and practice them together. There are three, remember. Number one, does this information make me fearful? Does it scare me regularly? Number two, does this outfit, does this person offer genuine solutions to the real world problems we face? Number three, what won't these people talk about and why? What's taboo? What's not mentioned? Why is it not mentioned? So quick recap. Number one, does it make me fearful? Number two, do they offer genuine solutions? Number three, what won't they talk about? And if you keep practicing those things, they'll become habit. You will make much better use of your free time. You will stop these alt media and all other types, alternative medicine, alternative sort of healthcare that's not necessarily medicine, alternative law, common law stuff, alternative education, anything like that. Look at it through this prism, put it through this test, and let's see if we can't do better. I'm sure we can. I'm sure there'll be lots of suggestions for other places. And I have to say that if you go looking in the backwaters, the backwaters of YouTube, the backwaters of Odyssey and Rumble and BitChute, you can find these really small outfits having really interesting, nuanced conversations using words and phrases like intelligence, counterintelligence, assets, agents, operatives. 
There are people who are asking the real questions. They are out there. I just encourage you to go further. Get past these massive holding stations, these hanging baskets that were put there by the state in many cases or have been infiltrated by the state in many other cases to stop you finding even higher quality information. Your mind is a, an important battleground. It's the only battleground when you think of it. And those who are trying to persuade you about bombs and blood and bullets and the military-industrial complex, they're not our friends. They're not here to help us. People don't want war with other people. People just want to be left alone. They want to do their thing with their families, just like you're going to and just like you are. Thank you very much indeed for listening. I really appreciate you. I do read the comments on my Substack for this podcast. I don't always have time to respond, but I do read everything we get there, even now. And I thank you for them. Thank you very much indeed for listening. As ever, I'm going to finish off with that bit that bores you blue, but I want you to say it and I want you to tell other people. Your children can either be educated or they can be schooled. And these things are mutually exclusive. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination.